Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HOLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, actually a little bit of off-topic stuff because, it I, mean, I don't know, it's kind of boring and I feel like I need a change of pace from thinking about regular sports, so I kind of thought I'd talk about some of the, I don't know, gaming news and some of the other world sports news that's going on. But we'll start with the world sports news because it's actually kind of funny. Uh, actually, in uh, China, they have started up the Chinese Professional Baseball League, which I had no idea the season was even supposed to start uh, as of, I think, this afternoon. But they were actually live-streaming matches with empty stadiums on Twitter through, I think, a Chinese broadcast service. And, of course, they had English commentary, and they had a couple of, I think, I don't know how many um, dialects of Chinese were, were in use, but they did have Chinese uh, commentary if you would rather listen to it than that. So it was kind of interesting because... I believe it's one of the first real sports leagues to return after everything has essentially been shut down. I don't know how they ended up getting the approval to do it, but China may be looking to, I guess, put on a good show and prove to folks that they've got the situation relatively under control by offering sports, which a lot of folks have been dealing with, I think, reduced you know, mental health because a lot of the distractions and stuff from the struggles that we deal with every day and some of the serious issues, we, we kind of turn to sports and other outlets, but we haven't had that in a while. So I feel like this is a little bit of a PR move, but it's also interesting because I think a lot of sports leagues are going to see how China is handling this and kind of monitor it over the next two to three weeks, see if any infections pop up. Not that I think any of these teams would report them, but other sports leagues may use the justification that they haven't heard anything going on or going wrong to restart their own leagues under empty stadiums and very tight and strict controls. Korea has already said that they're going to restart, uh, I think, their their football and baseball leagues pretty soon. Who's to say that maybe some of the other major world and European football teams kind of follow suit and do the same thing? As I said in the last episode, I feel like uh, the Bundesliga in Germany is hurting very much for TV money. The Premier League is also about to vote on whether or not the season's going to continue, which I think most of the Premier League owners are going to vote in favor of restarting the season. I think a a number of players, though, are not quite on board. I know that Sergio Aguero of Manchester City and a few others have expressed caution and hesitation at the idea of playing. You know, if you watch enough hockey, you kind of get the sense that a lot of hockey players would be like, yeah, let's go. You know, they play through almost any injury. And I think a lot of athletes are the same way. They would love to play the sport and participate in and doing their job. But if even one of the world's best strikers of all time said, maybe this isn't the right time, maybe we need to hesitate and think about things a little bit, perhaps the NHL and similar leagues or other sports leagues need to take note and do the same thing. Watching the baseball teams uh, in China play in an empty stadium was kind of a weird experience. Not often have we kind of gone through this, but I, I live in Baltimore, and one of the things that I've seen in my lifetime was when the Orioles played in an empty stadium during the Baltimore riots. And actually, this isn't that uncommon. I mean, we've had empty stadium baseball games and things before, but it's also not common enough where I think the experience is normal. And when you watch it on TV, 
it just feels very dead and unexciting. A lot of what drives broadcast viewership and excitement and energy is a passionate crowd that is, you know, thriving and emotional and feeling the energy of the moment. And I just, I don't know if you're really going to get any of that sense when you're watching empty stadiums. You can't, you know, when I was in Winnipeg, actually it was on this day, um, about two years ago, I think when I was in Winnipeg to watch the Nashville Predators series, I was there for game three, which was on this day. And that place in MTS was unbelievable. One of the greatest moments I've ever gotten to experience, uh, either as a sports fan, as a Jets fan, or just as a human being in general. That place was so electric and so thriving that you almost can't put the feeling into words. And it was funny because in the first 20 or so minutes, we were all really depressed. We were down in the dumps. Winnipeg had had dropped a real 3 nothing stinker in the first period. Hellebuck had gotten beaten by, I think, like Colton Sisson and Austin Watson and P.K. Subban. Uh, one of the goals may be somebody else. But suffice it to say, Hellebuck was having a bad day. And here we were all kind of thinking, you know, maybe Connor needs to be pulled. Maybe this isn't the time. And then, you know, Paul Stastny tips a, a goal in front of the net that actually on our side of the rink no one knew about. But the other side of the rink knew because they were in the uh, the Nashville end at that time, and they were all cheering. But we were super confused. We're like, did it? How'd it go in? We didn't see it go in because it just pinged off, I think, the back middle post of the inside of the net. So I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And then they did their goal review with the horn and announced it. So, of course, the, the tempo increased a little bit. But it really started to get to a fever pitch when Bufflin hit his his – as first goal of the night that ended up clawing back um, a deficit, keeping it just one goal down. And then it really came off when Truba ended up scoring the game-tying goal and things were just surging forward. I remember screaming so loudly that I'm sure the people around me were all deaf, but Winnipeg is kind of used to that because everyone screams in MTS. It's like a normal practice. Perhaps less so in current climates and and modern times. Uh, Past couple of seasons, the Jets fans haven't had a whole lot to scream about. But, you know, 2017-2018, that was when we were all boisterous and noisy and rowdy. So I kind of feel like without that, I think a lot of what makes professional sports such an endearing, exciting thing is lost. And I just don't know if it's worth all of the risks that are associated with everything right now and the lack of hype that's going to happen around it. I mean, your broadcast TV ship, you know, viewership numbers are probably going to be very high because we're all starved for sports. But how long are you going to be able to sustain that, you know? And then what happens if somebody gets infected? You suddenly shut down again, and then, you know, do people start to question your judgment? Are you going to be capable of restarting? Do you have the faith of the players? Do you start dealing with lawsuits from player unions because the leagues pushed, you know, the players to go back to work, and it turns out that it's actually not safe? I think there are a lot of issues around this that I kind of alluded to yesterday, but I think, you know, as as more leagues start to restart, I think all of these issues are going to be in clear relief, and I don't know that there's going to be a real answer to any of it, because frankly, no one's ever been through this situation before, and there are so many leagues now that are shut down that really require TV viewership money and merchandising stuff, and those sources of income have been severely impacted merchandising less so than than viewership and tv deals as well as advertising so there's a lot at stake here but there are also human lives at stake and for me that will always over everything else take precedence speaking of keeping folks safe especially during a quarantine crisis by now you've probably thought about doing some sort of order out 
food from like a delivery service. And that's why I love using Postmates. If you've never used Postmates, they deliver everything from sushi, burgers, to even your daily goods from Walgreens and 7-Eleven. If you're like me, though, you're probably ordering food from uh, a service like Postmates. You're thinking about it during lunch. You know, are you going to order that nice little chimichanga? Or what about supporting one of your local neighborhood restaurants who are really struggling during this time? In a time when the world needs to come together, Postmates is coming through for everyone. On every delivery, they offer safe, contactless drop-offs of all of your favorite foods. And if you're local, you can also order Postmates Pickup, which supports your local restaurants in the area. I've been ordering locally myself to ensure that I'm supporting my community and helping everyone through this very difficult time. Be sure to check out the Postmates app on iOS or Android, log your favorite restaurants, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For those of you who are Locked On listeners, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days if you're a new Postmates user. Again, that is the code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit on your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. Now on to some more fun and exciting stuff because, honestly, thinking about sports recently, I don't know, I just haven't had much of a connection. The NHL is thinking about coming back, but what does that even mean at this point? You know, are are we really going to see an actual game? Are we going to see playoffs, like regular season? No one really has a great answer for that. So, for all intents and purposes, to me, the NHL is just gone and over with. Which is, is, it sucks. You know, I I do miss hockey a lot, and I think I especially notice its absence when I I can't really tell what day it is. It's kind of bad, but, you know, when you're doing regular work and and kind of sticking to a routine, all of these events and things sort of, I guess, you know, mark your calendars and give you roadmaps of of what your schedule is going to look like. And with everything that's missing now, it's kind of odd because it just sort of feels like days come and go, and you really don't know what day it is. One thing, though, that has definitely been keeping me occupied in recent times is playing FIFA. And like FIFA 20 for me, especially this year, was a very frustrating experience. FIFA 20, I think from the ground up, is kind of a broken game for a couple of reasons. The first is that it has like an MMO design, but EA don't really have at least a great recent pedigree of high-end MMOs. They used to be masters of this craft. I think EA were one of the true pioneers in online gaming. But these days, we haven't really seen their best. And when you look at FIFA, the model that they use for their primary mode, which is uh, FIFA Ultimate Team, which I think you've seen in NHL 20 as well, where they have Hockey Ultimate Team, FUT is, is a big deal, and it's a fun mode. But I think at the core of it, the gameplay experience online is very poor. You know, you often run into issues where there's no real skill gap and rewards for the competitive weekend leagues, which are essentially the primary draw of FUT, aren't really all that great. What makes Ultimate Team very interesting right now is because we're dealing with the first time ever a serious disruption in a sports league where the entire league, you know, especially a game that relies on live items from status updates within this league, all of that is now done with. So... EA kind of had to hack around and pull back uh, it, what they call informs for players from last, you know, last year's FIFA and earlier FIFAs and do this for a couple of weeks to try and fill the gap between uh, the, the fact that we don't have any new live content coming in and there are no sports leagues active at this moment. So all of these cards that are supposed to be updated as players progress throughout the season are basically useless. Generally speaking, though, those flashback 
team of the week cards are usually pretty bad. I mean, most of them are below the power curve of where most teams and players are at this point. So instead, FIFA kind of had to bide time and wait a little bit until they got to what they call their team of the season so far. And if you've never seen team of the season, basically it's where all of the year's best cards end up coming out. There's team of the year, which is the very, very best cards. Team of the season collects uh, all of the year's top performers from this current active season and gives them a boosted card as a result. And usually these are the most sought after, most fun cards to use in the game. And that's kind of when you know you've reached, in an online gaming sense, the end game of whatever it is that you're in. For FIFA, that's that's team of the season. But owing to the fact that, of course, we haven't even finished the regular season in most sports leagues, FIFA offered something called team of the season thus far. and Or actually, team of the season so far. Tatsesef or something like that. Which makes me think that one band, uh, the story so far. If you've never listened to them, great pop punk. But before I get too much off the beaten path, Team of the Season it itself shouldn't be that exciting, but it gives you a reason to grind out this game. And the first weekend of rewards, you actually had to win like 17 out of 30 games to be guaranteed one player, at least one player pick, in your rewards packs from the highest level of the two leagues that they released during the Team of the Season weeks. And, uh, of course, this first week was... Um, like the lower English football leagues as the lesser picks, and then the high-end picks were the community team of the week. And if you finished goal two, which is 17 wins, you got a nice player. And from all of the rewards videos I've seen, EA actually got the weighting on the red picks correct. Usually these rewards are absolutely trash and useless, but what they did this time around is they gave you actual cards that you can use and generally rewarded people. Even if the card doesn't fit in your team, they usually try to give you at least one very high-rated option that you can recycle into something else. It's kind of rare that this game gives you decent rewards in FUT Champions because, to be honest, the reward system is just very broken and it's driven by RNG, and FIFA in a lot of ways wants you to spend money, real-world money, to boost your teams by buying FIFA points and opening packs. It's like buying trading cards in real life, you kind of get an addiction to it, which is why it's, it's dangerous for a lot of kids. I used to get FIFA points, but I ended up stopping pretty early on. Nowadays, I just kind of log in when Champs comes around, try and grind out my wins, and call it a day. You know, usually there's not a whole lot else to draw me in. Team of the Season, though? Team of the Season is giving me a reason to come back, and I have to say, I think that EA have actually done a very good job with this content. And it's not often that I praise them for something with FIFA, because usually FIFA's trash. But Team of the Season, so far, has been very good. I think that they've, for the most part, hit out the content mapping very well. I think that they're doing good, I guess, SBCs, which you submit cards to get rewards of some sort. I think that most of those have been fairly priced, barring a few notable exceptions, and I think that the power curve on these cards is very good. Of course, though, it's not all sunshine and roses, and there are some downsides to this promo. I think the first downside that most people immediately recognize is that because you know, some of the leagues are more popular than others, and I'm looking at Prem League for the most part. You know, most people are Prem League fans when they talk about world football, and that's fine. But FIFA servers are notoriously bad, and this week has actually been um, the team of the season for Premier League, which means that they, they're they going to be in next week's rewards picks that you earn this weekend. So everyone's logging in, they're all spending money to open packs, and for the most part, the online experience has been pretty bad. Uh, a lot of my online matches have been just absolute slogs to get through, and the server performance is pretty poor. I've had games where there was like a slideshow, and it really wasn't all that interesting to play. Could be better, could be worse. I've definitely played through some muddy matches before, but 
Uh, not as bad as this. And I think that it kind of highlights one of the central issues that I have with FIFA's online server structure is that too often it's very unreliable. There's also like a lag compensation if, if there's a ping differential between, you know, a host and a person logging in, which is really frustrating. I thought that they did some kind of thing where they made one of the players a host, but they actually did an even more, I guess, backwards approach with this lag compensation because both players have to sign on to the same server very annoying and it doesn't really work all that well because whoever has the lag compensation impacting them is going to experience delayed gameplay while the experience for the other player is generally smooth and they're able to pull off different skill moves and stuff. It's funny because I hear a lot of people complain about NHL 20 servers. Like I've, I've watched NHL online play and I've actually played Ultimate Team and some of the other competitive modes online in previous NHL entries. I can tell you for a fact NHL has always been more functional than this year's FIFA. There is something about this year's FIFA that just at a fundamental level doesn't work. Goalkeepers are bizarre. The shooting doesn't make sense. It often feels like every pass is kind of like a random number generator chance of, of actually connecting. And you just want to make a like a five-yard pass to maybe a flanking midfielder or something. It's super weird and it just, it's like, God, you know, this game shouldn't be this bad and this unreliable, but this is where we're at. But, you know, all of that said... There are some ways around it, and I think it really depends on what cards you're using. I've noticed that I've gotten a lot more leverage out of a couple of uh, a specific team of the season cards that I think really stand out above the rest. If you have a Brazilian team or a Premier League team, and you also like Manchester City, then I think you need to go out and get the uh, the Fernandinho team of the season card. This dude is an absolute workhorse, and I've actually been using him as my left center back because my original left center back that starts there is missing a boost for his defense. So I'd rather use that guy as a defensive midfielder and use Fernandinho as a defensive center back. Honestly, it sounds weird until I tried him, but his his positioning and his strength inside the box and his ability to make very smart reads and tackles while keeping the ball and the player opposing player in front of him, I think all of these are, are next level. He's a fantastic defensive player. He's able to make very good passes and has excellent vision. And I just feel like he's a complete package if you want a player who's either a box-to-box holding midfielder, a shutdown defensive midfielder that you can have him sprint up and down, or somebody who can function as a left center back or a right center back in whatever back four or back three that you use. I also think that if you have a Brazilian team and still Premier League, you need to invest in the uh, the team of the week moments flashback, Bobby Firmino, which is his 89 card. This card, I, I think a lot of folks were kind of like, eh, you know, it's kind of late in the game, is it really that good? And I don't know, man, this card has just been an absolute monster for me. Firmino has, uh, with the, the right chem style, which would be Hunter, and that boosts his speed and his shooting to max, this card is like one of the best strikers that I've ever used. He always seems to be able to dribble in and out of the box between defenders. He's got a great shot, and it kind of feels like using like the, the Brazilian Patrick Line of football. This guy has a rocket of a boot, he can blast at top corner, he can do a low-driven shot uh, right past the keeper and get it past his feet, or he can dribble around defenders very easily and cut in and out and essentially do like nice little body feints and stuff and score beautiful, beautiful goals that are essentially solo efforts. 
Firmino is fantastic, and I feel like he's very underrated. He's also pretty cheap. Both he and Fernandinho are under 300k right now, and I think Firmino is actually very well under 200k at this point. So these are cards that I think you should invest in. I think you'll actually like them a lot. If you have a higher budget, you could also take a look at Wilfred Zaha from the Premier League. He's a 5-star, 3-star center forward, which 5-star for skill moves means he can do tons of crazy skill moves and dribbles. His 3-star weak foot, uh, I think he's a a right-footed player. His left foot is not as good. But I think with how powerful his shots are and how fast he is already, it's not really a big deal. He's a very agile, good dribbler, and he's capable as being a very good central attacking mid in either a wide mid formation or a central mid formation, whichever one you prefer. And then, of course, if you're still on the Brazilian Premier League, kick Felipe Anderson's 92-rated card is an absolute beast, and that thing is is to die for. He's also very expensive, like Zaha is. I think both of them are around six to 700,000 coins. So if you're just new to the game, which I don't recommend getting into now, uh, it's, it's not going to be cheap. A lot of people will also go after the Simone card from Nench, which is... Uh, Simone is a Nigerian winger for um, Lijan, the, the French league, and that team is FC Nench. And and Simone is a pretty good-looking card. I, I think that he has a couple of key stats that I don't love that are missing, but for the most part, everyone seems to like him. And a uh, very good card, very fast, very good shooting. I think he's perfect off the bench, and I think that's what most people will use him for. Hopefully that kind of gives you a bit of a crash course in getting started with Team of the Season and ultimately trying to do FIFA 20 because... Right now, FIFA 20 is kind of a mess, but there are ways to make the most of it, and that's what I'm trying to do during quarantine. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll probably try for a Game Worn Collector interview of some sort this weekend, so hopefully we get that sorted out. Otherwise, I'll try and think of some other new fun and entertaining content for this weekend. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thank you so much, and have a great night. Go Jets go!